Plenty of time for Stroud. Directing receivers, flips it to the end zone, caught, touchdown! Marvin Harrison Jr. making a huge impact. Milton taking a shot downfield, he's got a man open, and it's into the arms of Squirrel White. Nix, pump fake, takes off, out of the clear, Bo Nix, there he goes, he won't be caught, he's done it again! What's going on everybody, this is Chris K with Burning the Red Shirt uh, Podcast, got Andrew Picasso with me, and who I have dubbed one of the most entertaining men in the business, uh, Eric Froton with us from NBC Sports Edge, right? So how's it going, man? You excited to be a part of this for a second time? Of course. I mean, I'd like to think that the first BTR episode I was on back in January was, I don't know what the numbers were, but I, I would hope that they were substantial in terms of the downloads. And uh, and if not, then I'm going to try to do my best to bring it here for the Pac-12, my yeah. homeland. Your homeland. Yeah. Well, those were at the time the best. Uh, more recently, uh, Nate and Franchise have hit those two highest, but I have a feeling this oh, one's going to have a chance. is a treasure, isn't he? Yeah, <laughs> we're, we're growing at exponential lengths. Uh, we're a little limited on time, so this will be tight. This will be less than an hour, so let's hop into it a little bit here. Uh, favorite team, obviously, for a time, you're a, you're a USC guy, right? I am a USC guy, of course, yeah. Out here in let's... 18 years in San Diego, uh, San, you know, USC. My first ever Heisman Trophy winner in college fantasy football was none other than the great Matt Leinart. So, uh, and then my, my most recent is obviously Caleb Williams. I've had him uh, in the ICD League, which I picked him eighth overall two years ago in the double draft after the 2020. We didn't have a draft. So we had the double draft in 2021. I, with my genius, my infinite wisdom, saw the future and knew that Caleb Williams is going to be a god among men. So I made sure to select him with the eighth overall pick. You ought to be ashamed of yourself, both of you. Do you remember about about a week before his true freshman season, we all we got these reports out of nowhere that it was something along the lines of like he he might if it was fair he might have actually been Rattler out, and everyone was just like, wait what what what's going on here? Like this kid's a true freshman and Rattler was going in the first round of drafts, and then everything kind of happened from there. Yeah, well, what happened was the spring game happened, and he went 11 for 11 and just absolutely sliced apart Alex Grinch's defense uh, effortlessly while you saw Spencer Rattler have tr- problems. And I watched – all I had to do was watch that and say, oh, my God, this kid's amazing. And I, took him, <laughs> I took him everywhere I could possibly get him. But, you know, hey, it's Caleb Williams. Couldn't get him everywhere. So, uh, yeah, I'm glad I got uh, multiple dynasty shares, and I have uh, – Let's see where is oh no I don't have his I just got his jersey just got I have a Leinart jersey my classic and now I have a Caleb jersey my two USC Heisman winners have to do it have to commemorate it so Love Caleb it. obviously stud for all purposes right all leagues all formats who's what running back are you going with Froton do you like Lloyd better or you like Jones because this is a house divided over here with Andrew and myself. Sure. Oh, I know. I've noticed in our drafts that we, we, we do have uh, our preferences. I love Marshawn Lloyd just in terms of the eyeball test. He runs with power. He's 5'9", like 215 or so. Um, but, man, he, he's compact. He runs with power. Uh, I thought he looked great at South Carolina. It's been staying on the field, you know, for him. He, he blew a knee 
uh, early on. But and I, I want to believe in Marshawn Lloyd's talent. I really do. But you know, to be fair, Dawson Jones. Look what happened when when uh, Travis Dye went down. He came in and was filled in nicely, catching passes. Not a problem, obviously. That's something that Travis Dye excelled in, and he filled in you know perfectly in that role. What's going to happen this year? Are they going to value the passing acumen, um, you know, of Jones, or is it going to be the more between the tackles work, which I certainly prefer Marshawn Lloyd. I, I give the slight edge to Marshawn Lloyd, uh, but you know, Hey, I, I get it. It could be a two horse race there. Andrew, your rebuttal. I think it is just likely to play out similar to Kenny Brooks and Eric Gray. Uh, Jones gets the nod from kind of being in the system a couple of years and playing do, playing well down uh, the stretch. Things USC does really get tripped up. He gets he doesn't make mistakes. Has uh, runs well, catches well, and yeah, maybe down the stretch uh, seeds some work. Right, if things start to go south, uh, Caleb kind of decides to check out. They start to look a little bit, little bit toward the future. Who knows? Maybe then Marshawn Lloyd um, starts to see more work. But I don't know. I think that, that we might look back on this and think to ourselves, why, why, why wasn't? Why didn't we just go with the guy that was the incumbent that was pretty much locked in for twenty touches without even really needing to be transcended? All he needs to do is just be the starting running back. Uh, for Lincoln Riley and to walk to 100 yards a game. Yeah, and I think that's kind of like – that's why I wasn't too impressed with Jones last year. Like, he just – it felt like the offense was just so good. Like, you could put yeah. one of the three of us and there's a potential that we could be successful type of thing. Like, they brought in Die last year, and I had the same feeling as, like, probably, like, why in hindsight, like, we should – I think Froton and I were the only guys drafting Die like, fairly aggressively – yeah, four, um, fifth, six. Yeah, yeah, and uh, we were definitely there last year. And I you think deserve Lloyd, better. Like, light to me is the same way. Transfer comes in. He's he's a third year guy, so like, I I don't know. With his size, it feels like he'll go pro after this year, assuming he's the the RB one. We'll see what happens. What whoever wins this is one hundred percent going to be uh, a huge asset. It's just a matter of if we knew for a fact, which one it was, they would be a top three running, like a top three rounder for sure. Kind of feels like the same way with the receivers. Although there's like seven options at receiver. Uh, I am under the, I draft with one sense of like a strategy, which is just whatever one kind of lasts the longest is the one I'm going to take. Uh, I think all of them have some variety of, of value and I could see all of them getting significant playing time. Uh, is there one that you're leaning towards for a time? Yeah. The one that you're not taking. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm just joking. No, no, you, uh, well, you've been <laughs> taking Washington. Come on. Don't lie. You're a Taj Washington guy. Kay. Well, Washington and Bryce. Specifically. I love rice. Rice is my guy. I mean, I, I just feel like, uh, the body too. He he fits that big receiver mold that we've seen UFC uh, UFC USC enjoy uh, in that Drake London, and and you know towards the end of the last season he came on um, had a nice you know flag pattern that he he tracked down in the spring game. I just think he he looks the part and he's the goat's son. 
you know, that that also counts for something, being Jerry Rice's kid. I, I do love the the price we're getting on Brendan Rice. I would prefer him over Taj Washington. Um, obviously, you know, Singer's going in that fifth, sixth, sixth, fifth, sixth round range. He started out around round three early in the, you know, the campaign. As we've gotten further, he, he's dropped to the five, six range. Uh, and I think it's, it's justified because if you look at what, where Singer excelled, it was downfield last year. He's, he's a deep threat. What he didn't do well is catch passes in the red zone. Three of 19 targets he caught in the red zone. So he's not going to get the kind of work that we expect from a high volume receiver in the close quarters, which is where you're likely to score your touchdowns. So if he's going to be deep ball dependent, that's going to really hurt him uh, when they're going for Brendan Rice, you know, around the goal line and, and they're giving him the fade patterns and uh, maybe Mario Williams running out of the slot, having that, you know, quick twitch ability. So um, I am a little apprehensive on the price for Singer. I don't have a lot of him right now in that range. I do have him in our, our, expert uh, dynasty league i have rice williams and singer so it's almost like if you're interested guys come talk to me i'm here <laughs> I, I have all the usc receivers I, I will divest from one of them if you have a preference uh at this point i feel like i'm over leveraged in that particular league yeah uh for timing purposes let's move across the street and uh talk about maybe the most polarizing team in college football in terms of like if you talk to like c2c and debbie and cff groups this is like where fights start to happen when you talk about ucla uh andrew i'll, I'll let you have the first go at it would you prefer to talk about the quarterback situation or the running back situation the quarterback switch situation i feel like it's not that much fun now that um i feel we're all everyone is aligned on burying our boy colin Schley, right do you think he transfers out before the year starts for a ton, or do you think he kind of just uh, chills for the year on the roster? You know, uh, going from Kent State, you know, to UCLA, let's just say the weather differential is quite substantial. I think he's going to enjoy the culture a little more than he probably did up there in upstate Ohio. Um, but uh, they do need to have a failsafe there. We, we've got a true freshman. I mean, I saw – Dante Moore threw at the Elite 11 and was summarily impressed, as I'm pretty sure everybody was. I think he wins the job. I think he's there. But if he gets hurt, you know, uh, Ethan Garbers is there. Does he slide in instead of Shalee? Yeah. I think, not I think be a bad idea. Yeah, Garbers is pretty good. Yeah. I, so I think it would be in his best interest, yeah. Yeah, which is why I think it's just, like, especially – Thinking for a year, you thinking for beyond this year, especially, but even just trying to think about what happens as the summer progresses. Cause I don't think with, especially with quarterbacks, certain quarterbacks, I don't think we're done with player movement at this point. Like I'm not, I don't know. I wish I had access to these kids transcripts like college Lee, so I could see how close he is to getting a, a grad degree or whatever to see if he's eligible to transfer again, right, transfer somewhere else, compete for a starting job. Um, I'm thinking the same thing with Spencer Sanders. I think he, he might transfer out before the year starts and go compete somewhere else. Um, but, like, he, if Schley can't beat out Garbers, can't beat out more, what is he doing sticking on the roster? Um, but, so, but, yeah, I think 
I, I happily draft Dante more every chance I get in every league I get, whether it be one year or uh, dynasty. I think it's just, okay, maybe he doesn't snag the job week one, but he's probably got it within the first few weeks. I, yeah. I, I can't speak confidently with anything with respect to his mobility, but I feel like just byproduct of being in the Chip Kelly offense, right? Like he'll get, he'll get something in the way of uh, utilization on the, on the ground. Um, but the offense is going to be fun. It's going to be exciting. It's going to be super fun to own him. So I want I want that. My, my concern is that it might just be a year early with Dante. Like, of yeah. course we've seen the spring game proton. I think you probably saw him in person, right? Like, he looks incredible, right? Like, but is it, you know, we we kind of scoff at like G5 to P5 or JUCO to FBS and like immediate production. But like, why do we think that like a true freshman is going to immediately impact in the Pac-12, right? Like, so that's my concern is like, I think we all agree Garbers probably competes for a long time or wins the job, gives it up at some point, and then it's all Dante. But like, to me, it's like – that team is probably not all that great on offense, at least immediately. So speaking of, of uh, teams you've seen in person, you were at that Pac-12 championship game last year, weren't you, with Utah? Uh, I was not at the Pac-12 championship game. I was at the Holiday Bowl. Uh, I was, unfortunately, they did not, I did not get a press pass in time to get to that Utah game, which is too bad because my cousin is Cole Bishop, uh, who is – probably going to be a third rounder or so next year when he comes out and is the captain for a second year. He was a captain as a sophomore. He's now a captain again as a junior starting safety for Utah. I wanted to go and see some of the fam for the game, but uh, I, I didn't make it up there. Unfortunately. Did, do we think Cam Rising is going to be healthy day one? Dude, nobody's talking about it. <laughs> you know, it's funny because, uh, hey, he just tore his ACL in January. Yeah. And, you know, uh, it's kind of – obviously ACLs are like the Tommy John surgery of football. You know, it's like you're getting it out of the way in, in some cases, but uh, you know, with the importance of the mobility for cam rising, I, I do think it's kind of being discounted a little bit. Nobody's mentioning it. Um, don't know what we're going to get, but uh, I'm curious to see what happens when camp opens, because what do they have behind him? Not much. It's a shame that they face, Florida week one because I really want to bet against them, but I also don't. I don't have any interest in backing Florida at Utah. <laughs> no. <laughs> Good point. Um, did you listen to the Utah Cover Three podcast that uh, the summer school for them? I have not because I have a cross country trip from SoCal to Connecticut, as you well okay. know, coming up. I have. I, I am planning on dominoing of Bud Elliott's uh, oh, nice. cover threes. And I actually got to talk to him at the Elite 11, and, and Bud's a great guy. And, dude, nice. Uh, very, very good dude. So I uh, shout out to Bud and, and the crew. And he, ha- uh, he has, I'm sure uh, he's listening. I'm sure he's listening. Dude, oh, he, has, yeah. he has replied to like random Twitter shit that I've posted without like no tagging him or anything. Like, and it's been like the great, it was the highlight of my Twitter uh, existence. It should be. Yeah. And he, yeah. he actually mentioned to me without me mentioning it, uh, campus to Canton, how he listens to some of their stuff and that's dope. And your whole thing. Dead legit. I, I remember like texting like, guys, I talked to Bud Elliott. He says he <laughs> <to you." laughs> that's cool. 
I think we all agree. Anyway, when I I was, the reason I brought it up is the Utah dude he was talking to mentioned, I I was surprised. He mentioned that the, the, the the cow, uh, the cow farmer guy wouldn't be the backup quarterback. It would be, I guess, Nate Johnson who like was ahead of him this spring, which Sounds more cool and exciting, right, from a fancy perspective. Yeah, it does. It does. Let's be honest. Yeah. And, I mean, especially with their offensive coordinator, Andy Ludwig, the great Andy Ludwig, who is the god of tight ends. I mean, <laughs> everywhere he goes, tight ends proliferate. So, uh, Thomas Yasmin is somebody I'm very excited about. And I, I just took him in the CFF site best ball as well. I think he's going to be incredible. Yeah, I'm a year. big fan as well. Aussie, Australian, you know, rugby player. Tall, freak athlete, like everything you want to see. Yep. Jaquindon Jackson's a guy that is being drafted pretty aggressively, and you can probably you can probably thank Mike for that one. But oh. is is Mike smart for that, or is he uh, being too aggressive on that pick? Well, he just took him in the CFF site draft in the second round, you know, <laughs> I, 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 which is, I mean, man, that is a commitment. Uh, I do obviously love Jaquindon Jackson when when you watch him and his style, but you know he's upright. He's just learned the position, you know, and he came in. He was excellent last year. My only concern about that with the sort of investment we're looking at, which is borderline top five, six, seven that he's been going recently. Micah Bernard was a very effective third down back and pass catching back. I mean, that's just. You know, watching the two of them when they're on the field, it looked like it was kind of a complimentary role that the two were playing. And Bernard's still there. Um, I don't see Jaquin and Jackson taking a, a lot of third down snaps, you know, with Bernard in tow. Um, and that does kind of concern me, you know, without a doubt. Jalen Glover obviously had a lot of hype last season heading into the season, um, but didn't, you know, got passed over for the time being. So there's enough capable backs in there where if we see slippage or we don't see not so much slippage, but we don't see the the polish and the development of offseason work at running back, I think he could be in danger of a, a split. So I do think that has to be factored in. Uh, that being said, I do have shares of Jaquindon. I took him uh, in C2C. I think he projects very well to – you know, in that Rashawn Johnson type mold, because he has the body for it. My gosh. And we've already seen, uh, you know, some success in, in limited action. I think you could see a fourth round, fifth round pick out of Jaquina Jackson based on that. Andrew, are you, real quick, are you pro Jackson or are you anti Jackson? Anti strong word. Or indifferent. I think that he's likely to be utilized in that very defined role, which is basically early down work in uh, neutral to positive games. Uh, right. Which depending on how Utah season goes and who's to say how it starts, if their quarterback's knee is still in shreds, uh, right. That maybe that's not that favorable uh, for his, his forecast. Um, I haven't drafted him at all. It's not like not as much as a straight fade as Marshawn Lloyd is. Uh, so much as just, I don't know, I'm getting other guys in that uh, range that I like a little more. Uh, but, I mean, you can dream on it, right? Like that, as much as Andy Ludwig is uh, godfather of tight ends, dude has also been known to produce some amazing running backs uh, for fantasy purposes. So the thesis makes sense. Um, but I don't know. I, think- I got burned really hard on Tavion Thomas last year, so I'm still staking a bit there. Yeah, I think what Jackson has going for him, and I think for a time, I think you kind of wrote about this uh, months ago about how like you have to kind of 
be relevant in the passing game to unless you're hitting a certain amount of touches. I think Jackson can hit the certain amount of carries. And if he gets if he doesn't get there or is super close, I think there's a real shot of 10 plus rushing touchdowns, like super easy, right? Especially if with with rising, especially early in the season, I'm sure there's going to be a little bit of hesitancy to push him around the goal line where there might be some bigger hits or just more crowdedness. Speaking of 10 plus touchdowns, I'm a big fan of Damian Martinez at Oregon State. You know, he should see a ton of carries. We saw the evolution of him last year, right? Like what if Oregon State had gone to him earlier? What would have what would his stat line have been? And he's kind of being drafted in the same kind of range. Are you what's your feeling on on Martinez for a time? And it's probably high you're more likely to pick him than Jackson. Yeah, I actually just took him in the CFF site draft. I want to say in the third round. Dam- dangerous Damian Martinez, of course. I mean, and, and Oregon State, Jonathan Smith, the job he's done there, it has been I – mean, they won 10 games last year. What, what more can you say? They beat Oregon, you know, um, just an incredible season. So impressed. And their offensive line. I think they return 109 line starts from a line that was obviously really good last season. They ran for 196 yards. They were running off at five yards a clip each of the past two years. So there is, there is you know, a, a history there where you have two straight years where they're out there mauling people. They had 212 the year before. So, you know, this is a 30 to 35 point offense. I feel comfortable with that. Schedule isn't too daunting. You have the number 57 schedule in the country. I'm not particularly concerned about it. And, you know, with an offensive-minded coach that we should get better. I mean, how can you get worse quarterback play than they got last year? I don't think it's possible, frankly. So <laughs> Try I, to I think it carefully, John. Oh, don't talk boy, shit on my yeah. dog. Oh, come on, buddy. First off, <laughs> okay, okay, I'm just going to lay off. We have only so much time. But, uh, you know, with all due respect to Ben Gulbranson, I, I think we've got an upgrade at DJU, you know, the resurrection. Can he have a Spencer Rattler second act? I think it's entirely possible that that he does enough to keep the loaded boxes from, uh, you know, Damian Martinez. And I really like him. I think he's a solid top 10 back. I'm just it, fucking with you. You can talk as much shit on anyone you want. Um, you know. What was I going to say? It, I say Chance it, Nolan is at TCU. I mean, your boy, Chandler I'm Morris. Right. I mean, don't you want to see Chance Nolan behind <laughs> your boy Chandler? Yeah, that felt like a, a real blessing seeing someone that harmless uh, going there. <laughs> um, uh, I, no more, no more Max Duggan coming in behind him and taking that job, Jets. <laughs> do you think? Do you feel like there's any? Th- so when you compare the Oregon State and Utah running back situations, there's lot, there's lots of bodies in both instances that who can like play football to some degree right at Oregon State you got Fenwick you got I think that dude Trey Lowe is still there even though he doesn't really do much anymore Jam Griffin um Trey Lowe's gone Trey Lowe I think he transferred out Jam Griffin is still there and and yeah 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 and obviously Fenwick is a hammer too yeah I, 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 I don't know what to expect I mean you can bet on the talent with Martinez and like all it takes is another like 200 yard game and then he's getting everything but it, it just felt weird how we thought by the middle of last year he would run away with the job entirely and then all of a sudden they're rotating series 
Fenwick is is starting the the civil war as the fourth string running back, and we slam the under forty five yards, and he comes on in the fourth quarter and goes for like fifty on two drives against us. Like, I don't know. It it, it just it, I don't. I have so much respect for Jonathan Smith in terms of what he does as a head coach, but it it feels difficult to get into his head sometimes when it comes to how he's managing uh, his his running back room and personnel. But the guy was a true freshman, and he looked he looked awesome at times. So it's tough to bet against cool. that. A guy that is kind of like trending the opposite direction in terms of draft capital and like potential for the year, after looking really pretty great too in his own right, is Jay Not at Cal. What a weird situation! Like it feels like he has a great season, and then they just bring in every single running back that's in the portal. Like what is? What are they actually doing there for a time? Like, is it just players being dumb? Is it coaches not being confident? What is it? You live in California. Well, we yeah, and uh, and we talked about this on my first BTR appearance, I believe, where we discussed Jaden Knott. And my reservation with him was one gigantic game, and it was a bomb that he threw. You know, I forget, we almost three. I mean, he went wild. And then if you saw it for the rest of the season after the big one, up and down, you know, he's still getting the carries, but he's going for 60 yards or so, you know, several games uh, in a row. Uh, that was a concern. And the fact that, you know, they bring Cardwell in out of Oregon, who just got over recruited and it was time for him to go. You saw the writing on the wall as a secondary guy, you know, by Damian Moore. That's certainly a concern. King Doru, I'm not worried about. No offense. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's something to be aware of. What I do like is he catches a lot of passes, or he did. Mm-hmm. You know, we we will see with the new offensive coordinator who is Jake Spavital, Nate oh. Earmuffs, oh, no. Earmuffs Nate. I know. <laughs> so we will see how the usage goes there. But with a new OC, you know, he doesn't have any any. He's not beholden to Jaden Ott. He didn't recruit him. You know, he's just kind of coming in and evaluating the talent. So that's certainly a concern. And while we've seen him go later than you'd expect for someone who had such an impact freshman year and who, you know, is in play to catch 40 passes. You know, he he caught 46 last season. I mean, that's ridiculous. That is tippity-top in terms of pass catching for running backs. Especially a freshman. Especially a freshman. Sam Jackson feels like he could be super cool, right, Andrew? Like it feels like you're you're a Jackson guy, right? I feel like that's I've the drafted type him of once or like. twice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I won't buy in too much outside of a dart throw here or there, just because I'm extremely anti Jake Spavital. I think that Cal fans have talked talked themselves into believing that Spavital had anything to do with the offense's success when. He was there just kind of interning for Sonny Dykes uh, as OC uh, the first go around. But we like those of us that follow the greater landscape of college football know not to buy into this grifter. Um, we've seen what he's <laughs> what he hasn't done at West Virginia and Texas A&M and Texas State. Um, right. And I think the whole thing with him, right, is wasn't his dad like an awesome coach or something. Um, I think that I think that's what it was, but he just yeah. he keeps getting jobs through his, his ring of friends and connections. But maybe this is maybe it, everyone will finally open up their eyes and this will be the end of the, the, the show for him. 
Yeah, it's not possible. You know, what's interesting about the offense last year is, and, and we kind of talked about it, they didn't even run for 100 yards a game. They didn't even average 100 yards a game last year, and we're talking about Jaden Ott. But the reason why, you know, we had Bill Musgrave, who's an NFL refugee, come on down to, to the college game, and they were throwing all over the place. I would love to see Sam Jackson still continue to be able to chuck the ball around like we saw last year out of Jack Plummer, who's now uh, reunited and it feels so good with the Brom brothers uh, over there in Louisville. But I think it's, it's, it's anybody's guess as to what we get. I think we'll see more running the ball. I don't see how I could run the ball less, especially with a defensive head coach like Wilcox, but man, they were, they were behind a lot last year. Hopefully they can balance it out a little more. But the other factor is tough schedule. They got a top 10 schedule in terms of the country. They play Auburn in the off conference. You know, they miss Colorado. They miss, uh, you know, nobody, nobody wants to miss Arizona's defense. Nobody wants to miss Arizona's defense. Yeah, but 36 a game last year. Are you kidding me? They don't get the benefit of that. So, you know, that's something that, that does concern me in terms of the tougher schedule. New OC, who's a Nepo baby. Yeah. You mentioned Arizona's defense being so poor. It's they so have great. To... Excuse me. It's so great for us. For us. I was going to say, I was like, wait a second here. Uh, I was going to say, it, one of, I feel like, many reasons why Arizona's offense is appealing to me. I, I mean, Cowing's great. McMillan yeah. is like, Ted feels like the guy everybody's all of a sudden like, just shooting up boards of all kinds, C2C, CFF. Uh, do you think that he threatens cowing for like true receiver one there? Or do you still think he's second fiddle, but just a little bit of a different style, obviously, because he's huge and cowing's pretty small guy. Yeah, but his, you got to remember, Tech was getting a lot of looks last year and he wasn't converting them at a very high rate. He had a sub 50% catch rate, I want to say. And, you know, it's part of just sort of learning the ropes, but You've got a seasoned, steady, dependable slot guy in Cowling that you know is going to get the looks, and he deserves Well, you'll see Tet going downfield, I think, a lot more. I think you'll get more of that. He did have some hiccups, and hopefully you can smooth out those rough edges. I think he can, certainly. I mean, he's got the body. He's got the profile. But uh, I do think that, you know, yeah, Cowling is – you know he's going to get those looks. He's proven it. He did it at UTEP. He did it at Arizona. He's got a comfort level with Delora. So I, I do feel like the safety of Cowling is there. But both are going to eat. And you've seen them. You've seen Cowling go like end of, end two, beginning of the third. And Tet, geez, I mean, end of the third, fourth now. Yeah. The thing that I like about Cowling is that Delora isn't like such a great quarterback that he can just throw it everywhere. He can throw all these unique routes. Like cowing is just going to be a super simple safety blanket. Don't have to be too concerned about the fact like Ted's, you know, that kind of feels like kind of like an Xavier worthy situation where it's like a ton of deep balls, not the easiest of passes and or attempts to, to try to connect with. So it kind of plays in the favor of cowing that he gets the simpler items. Yeah, One absolutely. a guy on Arizona that I like have none of, uh, but I think he fits the Froton mold of running backs is Wiley, Michael Wiley. Andrew, have you drafted him at all? I don't have. I don't think I have any of him anywhere. No, I haven't looked in 
I tried to sell myself on him at all, but my recollection for maybe wrong, maybe right, was that he was kind of whatever throughout the entire of the season until he blew up that final game. Um, and I just I, against against the Arizona State run defense, and I watched that run defense against Colorado, and that is, that last year I think was the worst run defense in all college football. Like that, so I totally discount that production uh, from Wiley relative to if we're just trying to stack stats and kind of from last year and think about things from a going forward perspective. Um, so just. Taking that into consideration, I think he goes a little earlier than I would like, um, and I just never get him. You know, DJ Williams is still in college football. Oh, your boy. Oh, yeah, yeah, your boy. Oh, oh, cats. I, I excuse me, K. Yeah, we had a little DJ Williams tete a tete a few years ago with the yeah. Bigsby. <laughs> I, I think I took Shivers and Bigsby in the P five league. You took yeah DJ Williams. Somebody else. It didn't <laughs> yeah, work well. Didn't work well. Uh, well Whatever, but you know, DJ Williams. <laughs> gosh, gosh, DJ Williams is rough. But you know, with with Wiley, man, excellent, excellent receiving back. I think he had forty six targets last year, which is which is just what we want to see. He even split out like he was he was, I believe, you know, slot slash wide on fifteen percent of his snaps. So like they were targeting him. That's it wasn't just these dump offs. Like it was you know, schemed plays that he got it. He also, he averaged seven yards of carry, you know, 32% of his carries went for first downs. Um, yards after contact, 4.1 yak. That's ridiculous, guys. That's an elite yak. So I expected, you know, in a lot of my leagues, and, I, and this is my Mia culpa, I was kind of more on the Jonah Coleman bandwagon heading into last season. Uh, no, Rayshon, I, I look for you? No, too little. Too little. Not my style. Jonah Coleman's a little more my style. So, uh, but Wiley went and outperformed both of them. You had two talented guys come in, and he still outperformed and did them pretty, you know, pretty incredible. Against the seven-man box, he was averaging 7.9 yards per carry. Not bad. No doubt. If, no you, doubt. if, they, can, if they can throw well enough, Wiley can do it. So I'm, I, I have a little more faith in Dr. Wiley from Mega Man. <laughs> I respect it. Uh, Arizona State feels like a similar situation to UCLA with like the quarterbacks. Like you got an older guy here, although Pine is a new older guy. But then you have Rashada as like the shiny new toy, although he seems very unpolished compared to Dante. Do we think Rashada gets in at any point this year, or is this a is he a, a true green banana, aka twenty twenty four? Too green. Sorry, I'm at the Elite 11. Watched a lot of them. Uh, thought he was having problems. Like just the arm's solid, but in terms of you know the processing and just going through the 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 full breadth of throws. Yeah, he he needs a little. You know, his footwork needs work. Um, but like, there's explosive athleticism. There's talent there. But I don't think year one we're going to see much of them. Maybe the end of the year. Why wouldn't you give him some reps? Because um, I don't, I don't predict Arizona State being very good either. You know, no offense to Kenny Dillingham, who's I mean, 32 years old, fourth. This is fourteen where he's been an OC three times at Florida State, Oregon, and now a head coach at Arizona State. So I mean, we all respect Dillingham for what he's done in that respect. But this is a changing over roster. Uh, obviously, the Herm Edwards left this place in 
spectacular fashion after Eastern Michigan. You know, that loss basically got the, the Lane Kiffin tarmac treatment to an extent. Uh, so I do think we're going to have a lot of cha- changeover, and there's going to be some tinkering around here with this. N- nobody's spot is guaranteed here at Arizona State. That was my uh, – their under win total was my favorite bet last year from uh, preseason. Oh, what um, a dream. Was it like six and a half? Seven Something and a half. stupid. Seven and a half. <laughs> 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 That's what it opened up. Amazing. Dude, I saw Seven your – Seven and a half. I saw your Northwestern uh, write-up. I I was I got down a good amount on it before it got taken down everywhere, but now it's even still like it's still three and a half with juice, which feels so weird to me. Like yeah. at DraftKings, how can you keep that open at that number? I I, I don't get it. I, I agree. I completely agree. And like you said last year, it was flagrant. That yeah. seven. I, I I was giving him credit six and a flagrant at seven and a half. How do you not know that's coming? I mean, I know, I know. Yeah, it's, the, it's, I, it's my favorite betting angle. Um, and and on the other season. side, Arizona, you know, clearing they, they were only like two and a half, maybe three. It was real low for them last year, and they were th- that was just you know a couple, yeah. a couple of great ones. I didn't I didn't mind you know using. Losing the velocity of money. I didn't mind tying it up and not being able to <laughs> in Arizona State. Because that's a free double your money. You can do that on any stock in the world. You can't. You just can't do it. <laughs> you can do it on Arizona State, though. Absolutely. Uh, are you are – you, um, so where are you on Jordan Tyson for this year and the ne- let's say the next two years? Because I, I – it was just as much in on him as everyone else last year, but – I'm still in, and I still—it's—it's—it's it's, it's definitely tougher to take him in one-year best balls at this point. But I'm still picking and choosing my spots to try and get some exposure there because I've seen what he can do, and it sounds like he's ready to go right for the fall. The depth chart's definitely clogged and crowded, but talent ascends, and that dude is freaking talented. Um, do you have an opinion? Do you have a stance? Yeah, I mean, first off, poor kid. Anybody who was in that Colorado State Collegerell run offense, uh, I have sympathy for all of them. You know, so good for Jordan Tyson for for getting out of that situation. And let's face it, I mean, two point eight yards per route when he's only able to catch. I mean, how many uncatchable passes did he get tossed his way? Yeah, I know. I know you watched a, a few, just you know, for for scouting purposes. A lot, a lot. <laughs> And, you know, he's still popping out almost three yards per route in that offense, 21 yards a catch. You have to pay attention to those sort of metrics. It's just how it is. What I, what I really like, you know, he, he, he works it inside and outside, you know, like it's pretty much a 70-30 split. I, I like versatility. And, uh, you know, 20, 28% market share over there. I, I, I can't believe they're spreading the ball around that much, but he was the lead guy in that – uh, you know, a receiver room. So uh, Montana Labonius Craig didn't get that share. He did. You know, he's over there in Arizona now. Could be that third fiddle. Uh, I don't have any problem with him. I do like uh, Badger from from uh, Breaking Bad. You know, everybody's favorite Breaking Bad character, Badger. Um, but uh, we'll see how that all materializes. Because like you said, new, new staff in town. Nobody's guaranteed anything. You got to go out and earn it. And uh, I think that unsettled depth chart means, you know, Badger 
he's going, you know, like 10th, 11th ish, 12th. Is that about what we're looking at for ADP? And Jordan Tyson, you can pretty much get him when you want him. So for a cost of acquisition, why not? Well, yeah. I think the problem there is that he's one of the 15 offseason receivers with an ACL injury. <laughs> like, and they all happened in November. Is like, what happened in November that all of a sudden everybody's knees went to shit? Um, because I do agree. Like, anybody that's successful with a group of quarterbacks like they had is just, I mean, I don't know how many times I've made projections for quarterbacks and like the number was like eight. Like, that, that's a pretty phenomenally low number. Um, Colorado, obviously, Tyson, that's where he came from. They have a brand new roster. Colorado. I feel like we have to, dis- to discuss them at some point. I mean, are we, do we, we think Dion, uh, do we think Dion is successful year one? And how many years does he stay, period? Well, man, you look at Jacksonville State, they five straight years, I think, they had losing records. And then he comes in and, and they trot off three nine plus win seasons and, and culminate. I think they had 12 last year, you know, before he left. So uh, we've seen the turnaround. That being said, yeah, it's easy to have, a, you know, bring the program up when you're getting the, you know, Kevin Coleman and Travis Hunter and stuff coming into town, getting FCS recruits that are just simply nobody has ever gotten. Nobody will ever get them like that right ever again. But 15 returning guys for Colorado, whole new roster. The pre, the two teams that had the most transfers last year were obviously USC uh, with the Lincoln Riley thing. And hey, Lincoln Riley did just fine in that. And uh, gosh, the other team, uh, I think it's, it's escaping. Was it Oregon? I think it might have been Oregon. Like both of those teams did pretty darn well uh, that had the most transfers. So, uh, I do think that there is precedent to some extent for that. We don't have a proven system in the way that we did with Lincoln Riley, of course, but you know, there's a lot of work to be done here. This is a brutal, brutal team that is changing over uh, tough schedule. You got TCU at TCU, you got Nebraska, you know, uh, with Matt rule coming in, in their off conference slate. And then I believe they dodge, who is it? They dodge. Um, this year, uh, it, it, it eludes me, but, you know, having the number 23 ranked schedule, that's something that concerns me. And obviously, how do we know what this depth chart is going to look like? Travis Hunter is supposedly maybe he's going to start at CB and wide receiver. I, I, I mean, I know he's incredible and everything, but it, he's the number one recruit in the country last year. But playing both ways, how much can we expect to get out of him? Like, I have concerns about that from a one-year perspective. We're looking at CFF. And Xavier Weaver, hey, great. It's year five for Xavier Weaver. <laughs> When's it going to happen? I know he was on the Bruce Feldman's freak list. I get it. But come on now. You can't go out and rip up the AAC at USF. Like, sorry, Jeff Scott. Sorry the Clemson OC couldn't go and, and you know, call an O over there at USF, but I mean, they brought in enough talent and they couldn't do it. So uh, forgive me if I, I don't have the exact kind of confidence in Xavier Weaver after four years, a 50 year guy to just be able to trot in and dominate a power five conference. And they lose, they lose a ton on defense too, is the problem, right? Like even if they were to overcome some uh, just typical transfer battles, like their defense is going to be pretty brutal. 
let me ask you guys, what do you think the offense point per game? What what kind of a pond are we swimming in with Carl? They scored 15 points a game last year. Like, what, how, how much does that increase? Do they get to 25? Do they get to Ferentz bonus level 25? <laughs> I think they can hit 30. Uh, I've, I mean, I've, wow, I have really? a lot of – I have a lot of – it might be misplaced, but I have a lot of faith in a lot of the places – a lot of the pieces – the more I think about Sean Lewis, I think that it is very likely that he is, he can be categorized as a brilliant offensive mind, but maybe not a brilliant, a good program leader. It, it, I thought it was just, it was so weird how much talent they had at Kent state, but they he couldn't turn it into wins. Yeah. There were some injuries going on there as well, but I don't know, maybe don't run your, your quarterback in, into the ground um, 20 times a game. Uh, but I, I think the dude is brilliant from a play calling perspective, a schematic perspective. Like some of the things he, the wrinkles he fits, he uh, fits into game plans are awesome. Um, I'm worried, of course, about depth, depth considerations on the line and just like, okay, you brought in a bunch of these, these pieces that are, there's like, okay, there's stars attached to them, but what do they have in the way of experience? How's that going to manifest that plus the depth? I mean, that gives me pause, but I've, I have faith in him. I have faith in uh, Shadur. I think uh, Shadur is going to, like, he's, I think he's, he checks the athleticism box, checks the efficiency box. The system is, like, they're going to they're gonna try and run a zillion plays, and being behind in every game is only going to uh, accelerate that. So, it, um, I, I don't know. I think that, that they will score points. I think that it's going to, I think it's going to be, it, I'm not trying to buy all the parts of the offense, um, but I'm down to get one or two pieces in most drafts I'm in. I think mid to high 20s feels reasonable. Okay. Just because they have a – that's a lot of talent. They got a lot of receivers in. and They're just going to run a lot of plays. You yeah. know, they could be inefficient even, but they just run so many plays they could run into 25 points a game. And it is a true year zero, so it's, you know, the leash is going to be long. Do what you want. Have some fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for, yeah, make a good point. So, so two teams that were coming up on time here. Two teams, a little bit more rapid fire. Okay, for both of you guys, Washington and Oregon, at cost. Which which player on each team do you guys like the most? Oh man, the the, the this is the problem with the Pac-12. Every team is so fun, so cool, so exciting. Like we could have talked for another hour and a half, but logistics are are difficult in the year 2023, but who do I like best on Washington? I haven't found myself taking any of the, the trio of, of Penix, Odunze and McMillan, just because the second round borderline first line round costs a lot. And I, I don't know, I just gravitate towards some other players there. I'm so interested in potentially trying to pick some spots to grab Polker Bernard and as just like, okay, you you'll probably get some some uh, breakout games, two or three breakout games, regardless of what kind of happens in terms of injuries and stuff like that. Um, but what if something happens, right? And then all of a sudden, there's one of them sitting in the catbird seat, uh, like with if something happens to McMillan or Udunze, like tough to find higher upside than uh, the one or number one or two receiver in that offense. So I have a little bit of Polk. Um, Bernard is there, right? I'm not making that up. Jeremy yes. Bernard. Yep. That's yep. pretty sweet. Um, like I, I don't, 
I feel like we've seen flashes and Polk probably is ahead of him. Um, but I would like to get my hands on, uh, on, some, uh, on them in some drafts. And then at Oregon, Franklin just like, there's so many guys that go in that round five area that are receivers that I like. Um, and Franklin's definitely one of them, like the X receiver in Will Stein's offense, like let's do it. It's not, not that hard. Um, it's a money position. If there ever was one, I have no interest in Bucky Irving personally. Um, I know that Will Stein's produced, uh, running backs, uh, from a fancy perspective, but I, I don't see them not using your boy Whittington, Chris. Is it, was this entire Chris's thing? boy. I'm the only one drafting him. You are drafting him. And, and I was I was upset about you taking him in, in the Nate uh, Dynasty League. Because I, I was going for the down the board, you know, <laughs> Dowdle and James. I wanted to get those guys, and you took winning. I'm like, oh, there goes that. There goes that idea. They're gonna score it's kind of one of those USC situations where they're just gonna score so many points that like even as like a one B or just RB two, like he's still gonna be valuable and he's and all it takes is one injury for him to be shot up huge, just kind of like your uh, your Washington point, um, Andrew. What about you, Roton? Uh, I I have had Jalen McMillan since he was a freshman in uh, in Nick's twenty team dynasty league. I love this tape coming out of high school. I know he's like thin, but man, he's so elusive. Routes are slick. Like I think I, I love Jalen McMillan, and I'll I have him, and I will continue to take him in that late two range. Uh, I think he's legit. That being said, as you guys know, I'm a big proponent of the wide receiver three theory in big offenses. Case in point, last year, my brother, the great Emeka Ibuka, you know it, I know it. I had him in twelve leagues last year. Be it best ball, be it dynasty, I had him everywhere and ev- anywhere and everywhere, and that bore fruit. And I think it happens way more than we want to accept. Don- Devontae Smith was the same situation. You get powerful offenses with that quote-unquote number three that emerges. I, I love I- – I have J- Jalen Polk in-, in a few of these best balls I've been taking. And you can get them in the mid-20s or so in our drafts that we've been doing. I'm all over him. He's good. I mean, the guy can play. And just because he's number three doesn't mean, like you said, something happens like we saw at Ohio State with JSN, you know, and then who is it going to be? Oh, it's going to be Polk or Jeremy. Jeremy is basically free at this point because it's still kind of conceptual coming over from Michigan State. But, man, I I think Polk's a great deal. Uh, With Oregon, like you said, like everybody's drafted pretty – Irving is drafted pretty aggressively, five, six, seven. You know, um, obviously Troy Franklin is taken. He's he's a premium guy. Uh, I like Terrence Ferguson. I like Fergalicious because, again, it's the offense. The offense is 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 legit. He came on a little bit more. You know, towards the end of the season, he's a touchdown machine. I I, I love what I'm seeing out of him. He he's very close to that four 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 that I like out of my tight ends, 40 catches, 400 yards, four touchdowns. You can get more of those touchdowns, maybe a little less catches, but he's going to be in the 35 to 40 range. Bill's going to be 350 to 450 in yardage. And I feel like it'll probably be like six to eight touchdowns, you know? So on a weekly basis, he's out there, you know, plenty of snaps and he gets the look. So 
you know, give it to me, Bo Nix. He's not a downfield guy, Bo Nix, as much as we want him to be. When it comes to his throwing on third and long, which is a real important metric for me when I'm projecting QBs at least to the NFL and projecting their effectiveness in college, he's not, he's not great when defenses know that he's throwing. So for that reason, I like the fact that, you know, he works the seam extremely well. He's entrenched in that spot. Terrence Ferguson will see Justin Herbert's brother take that role, you know, next season or whenever after he's gone. But for right now, I, I like Terrence Ferguson. It costs. I don't, yeah. I don't mind that. I put so much of what happened with that offense last year down the stretch just on Nix's foot, right? Um, be- they were a total death star before that. Uh, before that injury. So mm-hmm. it'll be interesting to see what happens this year, but like, I'm very optimistic. One, one quick final question, because I think this is fairly big. I think everybody's kind of down on Drake May because new offensive coordinator that's not necessarily like super friendly. I think there's some comparisons potentially. I know Will Stein's a good offensive coordinator, and that's a good hire from UTSA, but that it is a G5 to P5 change there. Is there any – are we being – Last year, we were biased to- against Bo. Are we being biased pro Bo with uh, this change of OC, or should we be concerned? Or Pro Bono? Is that what we're saying? <laughs> is, is, um, pro Bo? No. Uh, I think it's about right. You know, he's, he, look at the offense. I mean, look at what they did last year. If you're going to be putting up 40 points a game, which I think is in play considering they have the 68th ranked schedule and look at their non-con. Okay. Let's roll it. Portland state check Uh, at Texas tech at Texas tech week two, give it to me in the veins. And then they welcome Hawaii, which will be a bloodbath. Right? So um, they have a green light going through this schedule. I, I, I'm, I'm, I think they'll be just fine in terms of being in the 40-point range. They had 500 total yards per game last year. Like, this is a powerful offense, and I don't think that, you know, you can't knock them out of the top 10, in my opinion, you know, Ooh. based on last year and based on their, their production. But, you know, I don't have a lot. I haven't taken them in the first round or the second round uh, in any drafts because I, if I'm not going to get a tippity-tippity QB, you know, Austin Reed or, or Caleb. Uh, I've typically been waiting on QBs. Waiting a while. Cam yeah, Ward gets so many of them. In September, right? Cam, Ward, Cam right? Ward. Gets benched by the end of September, right? Someone more <laughs> anti-Ward than me. I love it. And, well, and on that Josh note. Mateer show. <laughs> I, I led the charge last year on Cam Ward. I'm starting to come around on him just a little bit where I'm like, well, you know, now we got Ben Arbuckle in town. It's not the right. Eric Moore show anymore. You know, if it, everywhere that that the Zach Kittley tree goes, you know, uh, fancy points grow. So, yeah. We'll know. We'll know what we got after this year. But yeah, we will. I mean, they're gonna. It won't be for lack of trying. They're gonna try (laughs) to throw the ball. Maybe Josh Mateer. Maybe it's his time. But you know, uh, at cost though for Ward, we're looking at him. Maybe he's been sixth round. Is right around where he's going. You know, Mm -hmm. seventh. That's an investment for QB. Yep. It is. Alrighty. Well, we appreciate you hopping on for a time. you know, you will you will be back. Let's just at least you will be invited back. I don't know if the the original guest makes his triumphal return. The one that's that's you know influenced us to do more of these. So uh, you're you're very much appreciated. 
Uh, we love having you on, and we will certainly have you on again. And hope everybody enjoyed the Pac-12. We left out Stanford. Sorry, they're going to be awful. They'll be good next year. <laughs> the next year, maybe. There you go. Awful. Everybody, uh, have a great weekend week, and we'll see you guys soon.